They also said that the defense is slow. He said our defenders are slow and they know it. It was supposed to be a joke, but some of the defenders didn't appreciate the joke uh, that much. You can understand the torment of wanting to kick someone but not being allowed. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, essentially. Men at work bring joy to a land down under, and we speak to a man from Brussels about Belgium's D-Day against Croatia. We will begin today with Daniel McDonald at Stadium 974 in Qatar. And Dan, we both thought Argentina and Poland could go through, but it wasn't quite as simple as that. No, I mean, uh, we nearly had a, a brilliant uh, you know, yellow fever or various headlines of that nature uh, around Poland going through. I mean... The mad thing is, like, Argentina are the story in every tournament they're in, like every game they're in in every tournament, and yet they actually became sort of a subplot temporarily in that second half. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in a way, like, that's 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 fantastic for them that it was it was so comfortable. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was almost hard not to be drawn in by the, the Polish drama. You know, that, that sort of uh, that situation of you could see the manager on the sideline talking to Lewandowski at one stage, calling him over. You kind of wonder what the message is. Like, generally, it might be, um, you know, some instruction about getting back into the game, but you definitely felt that there was more a case of, here's a little bit of a state of play here. Let's try and get the message across. And then Kotroviak yeah. gets booked and uh, he gets hooked. So, you're, you're, <laughs> you know, you're re- removing players for fair play reasons. Um, but then they found that anyway, the... Uh, there was a Polish contingent in the press box very close to us uh, who sort of let people know what had happened with that Saudi Arabia goal before anyone else. They were, uh, whatever about uh, people's feelings on Qatar, they definitely were of a mind to stay for a bit longer. They were they were very, very happy uh, to be doing so. So um, Argentina games are great occasions um, and the sort of uh, 974 is actually a perfect venue for an Argentina game because we've mentioned it before you know it's the temporary stadium it's all uh, 974 containers that it can be packed up after the tournament or brought somewhere else but the one thing that you would have to like about it is that as a result it has a little bit of character about it it's a little bit more compact it's a little bit more steep stands overlooking a pitch rather than these sort of yawning generic sort of FIFA venues um, and as a result, it creates a little bit of noise. And they've had both Brazil and Argentina here this week, which has uh, worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, it, it, the atmosphere seems to be superb there. Poland's approach kind of reminded me of games. I've, I've played in a couple of them where an amateur team plays against a friendly and a, against a professional team. And basically, the amateur team is warned, don't touch them because, you know, you might injure them. And the, you, you basically have to come and take a step back almost. Where, like, in Argentina, in, Tell in Poland's story, case... Aiden, come on. Tell us the story. No, you've got, no, you've, 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 you've got an example in your mind. No, no, no. Come I on. Do, I mean, like, not, you, that's been a full disclosure here. Okay, okay. People might be, may not that's be aware of your amateur day, football but... career at a, at a good level, <laughs> but uh, you, you, you can understand the torment of wanting to kick someone but not being allowed. Is that basically what you're saying? Yeah, essentially, because normally when you're losing 2 0 in a World Cup game, not that I'd know, but when you're losing 2 0 in a game mm. where. You know, you want to, like, the, the temptation is you, you see it all the time. People get, you know, throw in a yellow card or just get a late tackle. You saw it, we've seen it a few times in this tournament with tackles kind of late on where players just get frustrated and they, uh, it was probably going against their nature, like, to, to hold their discipline in that instance because they knew, you know, 
potentially one red card or it, it was bizarre one red card and, and there, it's hard to think that they you know you always hear but you, you plan for every scenario but it's hard to imagine that coming up in a team meeting of like listen lads if we're losing 2-0 and Mexico are winning 2-0 don't put a tackle in it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that scenario playing out yeah, I mean, listen, there was a few scenarios. I mean, I was laughing at the idea of like a Polish player scoring, taking off his shirt, uh, and then you know getting a yellow card and it being disallowed for VAR. But I thought of it, an even better potential plot. I mean, imagine like, one of the Mexico yellow cards was their assistant coach, um, That's right, yeah. I believe. So uh, can you imagine, right, if it was Euro twenty sixteen and a Roy Keane booking had got Ireland eliminated from the competition? Like, can you imagine the the dream, the dream story there? Uh, you know, you, you would think you can't find another twist to a Roy Keane tale. Just imagine if that had been him. Imagine, like, whoever that assistant coach is, if it had been them who sent Mexico out. Like, I mean, they have this curse about, like, going out in the round of 16 all the time, but not getting there because an assistant coach get a booking. It would have been perfect. Like, I mean, we just have to forget all of this drama now because it didn't matter. Like, the record books will coldly show they just went through on boring old goal difference, uh, Poland. Yeah. It was obviously, uh, again, no pictures on the scorecard and all of that. Yeah. Briefly, that story is uh, my playing an amateur game against Bohemians in a preseason, our preseason friendly. Uh, you've, got the, you've got the very prominent player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's a tackle on a very prominent Bowes player that I won the ball but managed to put him out for six weeks with a tackle. So they weren't too happy about it. But we'll move on swiftly onto another team that liked the tackle, which was Australia yesterday. Um, and. They were getting stuck in all over the shop against Denmark and managed to eke out a 1-0 win from almost nowhere that nobody saw coming, really. Yeah, sorry. I was just trying to think of a Bohemian's injury, six-week injuries from the early 2000s there. I was just going through players in my head. Um, Australia, though, yeah. I mean, I think they are probably one of the, the stories of the competition that sort of slipped under the radar. Um, even going back to people may remember their penalty shootout uh, qualification to make it there when they had uh, their goalkeeping... Uh, their penalty kick expert, sorry, uh, mm-hmm. sort of contorting his body in all sorts of ways uh, to, to to sort of distract Australia's way into the into the competition. And I mean, what roundly written off, I mean, not least by here, which is obviously the big snub that's really offended Absolutely. them amongst the other mm-hmm. ones. Um, but they really have a very shortage of players at the, in the big five leagues. I mean, they basically don't have anyone at all playing regularly. Um, I would watch a little bit of A-League football in the mornings and it can be a little bit, uh, you know, it's, they're heavy on defenders, sorry, heavy on attacking there, sorry, uh, attackers and, and not so much on the defending side of things. Uh, but in fairness, they have some players playing there have really, uh, really stepped up. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see them uh, troubling Argentina at all on the basis of what I've seen from Argentina. But I think... Um, for Australia, whatever happens now, it's been a it's been a great tournament. Denmark, big disappointment, you know. A couple of Ireland's um, very much so. p- pen pals of recent years just haven't really uh, performed here. I mean, Wales, Denmark, uh, that sort of we played them every couple of weeks there for a while. Um, they've both been pretty far. Serbia, uh, Qatar, yeah, that's true, yeah, and uh, and Serbia, um, who who've who've underperformed really pretty badly. So, um. But yeah, I mean, Denmark probably one of the big disappointments. I mean, they didn't. I mean, their 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 record in qualifying in the Nations League this year has been extraordinarily good. Um, and to be fair, uh, not at the game, just watching it like anyone else, um, they never really looked 
that dangerous in the second half at all. Uh, they weren't no. quite banging the door down. They actually looked a little bit done from an early stage. But I think Australia are like a, a, a great advertisement for like unity carrying you a little bit of a distance. Because just watching them, you, you do actually sense they genuinely have that. I know it's easy to say that when you win. Everyone is a great mm-hmm. team spirit yeah. when they win. Um, but it definitely is something that's, that's probably elevated them. And I'm sure... Uh, you would have appreciated some of their defending as well. Yeah, I mean, look, to be fair, they weren't up against a great deal. I thought Denmark were incredibly poor. Um, like, they they looked like a team who, it was almost as if they they thought the draw would do them almost, Denmark, which obviously it wouldn't. At no stage was a draw ever going to be good enough. And I think the same thing has happened with teams against Australia. With, with It happened with Tunisia, it happened with France, where you kind of go into the game thinking, ah, oh, these aren't great. That's the, just the way it looks. And, and and after 10, 15 minutes, they don't look great. And then suddenly there's a goal. And out of nowhere, then you find yourself on the back. I mean, France were, were trailed against them. Tunisia kind of got hit with a bit of a sucker punch. And then mm. after a while, Denmark did as well. And like they are the archetypal hard to break down. I mean, Kylian Mbappe had a great time against them, but not everyone has Kylian Mbappe. Um, to break them down, Argentina obviously have Messi. Um like you can see them being awkward. That's probably the, the best way you describe it. I mean, to be fair, Argentina probably had a, a, a good dress rehearsal today, given how much Poland only wanted to defend. So I'd say Australia probably something similar. Yeah, look, I think Argentina will uh, will comfortably beat Australia. I mean, there we go. You can they can stick that in their dressing room. Well, as I said, our predictions are the ones that really matter to them. Um, I don't know. I think Argentina actually. What I liked about Argentina is that. It's not just Messi is the, the main man, right? Like it's amazing to watch Messi in the in the flesh, you know, just how like everyone's eyes are drawn to him, including the Polish players who are you know, they have this sort of block of five uh, at one stage. Like you know, they're the only players in the half at one point are five Polish players and Messi who's standing on his own to the right touchline near the bench, you know, and they're the only players in the, the Polish half. I wanted to take a photo. I'm not even sure. Yeah taking a photo was during the match uh, is in contravention of accreditation rules it possibly might be but it would be one of those where you just wanted to to grab it um, but in fairness that the other players from Argentina have uh, made their presence felt even Alexis McAllister um, Lorenzo Fernandez like neither of whom had you know what, I think like something like 15 caps between them or if even that mm-hmm. um, but they're sort of rising to sort of ease the burden even though they're all sort of playing off uh, Messi in, in some way or other. Yeah, no, they, they they certainly look. He's not carrying them. He's not carrying them on his shoulders as such. They're, they're kind of no. they're going along with him. But so that that means now the weekend's last sixteen ties are set. We've got Netherlands facing USA on Saturday afternoon. Argentina then play Australia, and on Sunday France meet Poland and England play Senegal. And today four more of those teams will go through. And after the break, we will look at Belgium's chances of getting one final kick out of their golden generation. We're joined now by Bart Lacha from Qatar, football writer with Belgian newspaper The Standard. How are you, Bart? Thanks for joining us. I'm fine, thanks. Good. You're just out of the press conference from the from Belgium. What's the mood like ahead of the game against Croatia? Um, it was a bit of a difficult mood, I would say, because the players obviously had a, um, a difficult game against Morocco. 
It was the first time they lost um, in a group stage in a World Cup, uh, well, this generation. And um, it's a new situation for them. Um, also, there were stories coming out, especially in French media and L'Equipe, uh, about almost a fight in the dressing room, which they strongly denied. But um, they had a group session on Monday night, the day after the game. Uh, and they were talking about that session and how they want to try to be ready and to be more united as a team. Because they do confirm they were probably not united enough for the first two group games uh, against Canada and Morocco. The uh, the quotes from some of the players have been very interesting. I mean, De Bruyne has quoted, you know, that he thought their, their chance was four years ago. And I think he said something along the lines of, um, I... I I need to understand. It was something along the lines of my t- my teammates sort of almost aren't as good as uh, as they as they could be, or something something along those lines. It just definitely does seem to be a bit of tension there that yeah. hadn't been there in previous years. Indeed, there was a newspaper interview in the English Guardian, which an interview that was done before the tournament, but it came out last weekend, and there Kevin De Bruyne there was a quote saying. This generation is too old to win it, to win the World Cup, which felt bad with some of the players. So we know they didn't confirm that on the record, but we know they had mixed feelings about it. A teammate saying basically, or that doesn't have any confidence of his team to win uh, the trophy. Uh, Also, Eden Hazard, um, he said that um, the the chance for Belgium to win was probably much higher four years ago. It will be difficult. He also said that the defence is slow. He said our defenders are slow and they know it. It was supposed to be a joke, but some of the defenders didn't um, appreciate the joke uh, that much. No, Hazard has certainly slowed down as well, I, I would yeah, suggest. Uh, indeed, and uh, Jan Vertonghen after the Morocco game, so the, the Belgium defender Jan Vertonghen, former Spurs player, he said that, um, yeah, maybe we should conclude that not only our defence is slow, but also our attackers have become slow because Belgium only scored once uh, so far, which is the, uh, in in the offence, is the, the weakest production in goal since the first World Cup in Uruguay in 1930. Then we didn't score any goal at all. Uh, and in all the other participations Belgium has had in World Cups, they at least scored more than one goal in the in the first two group matches. So um, that just shows how um, the players are pointing to each other, and, and, and indeed um, the unity um, is is a problem now in the, in the in Belgium dressing room. And what is the feeling like among the Belgian public towards the Belgian team? Um, pessimistic. Um, if you read uh, social media uh, reactions, well, uh, you know how social media usually is. It's not not always very optimistic, but especially in this case, um, people are very negative about um, uh, the Roberto Martinez approach about the team, about the uh, chances to go far in the tournament. Um, there is not a very good feeling uh, about the Croatia game. 
Um, most of um, it's difficult to measure it, but um, the overall feeling is that uh, the Belgian public opinion feels this might be the last game in a tournament for um, the so-called golden generation uh, of Belgium. And with that golden generation, I mean, is there a feeling they've obviously achieved a huge amount relative to what previous Belgian teams achieved? But is there a feeling that they underachieved, or are, you know, they they did well in a couple of tournaments? But is the feeling over overall that they've under underachieved? Uh, I think yes. Uh, you might uh, say that they probably should have played at least one final, which they didn't. They, I mean, the best result they had was the third place in Russia. Um, where they were in the semi-final, they played, according to most of the Belgian supporters, but also analysts, played better than France. But still, they didn't win it. I think France was more mature and, and played um, and deserved a world title for me personally. But uh, most of the Belgians felt they should probably have won that tournament and maybe all. Um, we also were beaten by Wales in Euro 2016 which was a huge uh, trauma uh, in the quarterfinals. So there is a sense of yeah, a lost opportunity for a smaller nation as Belgium to win a major tournament because, I mean, it's uh, a bit like Ireland, probably you won't have too many chances to, 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 real, to realize something big in, in, uh, in an international, on an international level, in an international game like football. So, yeah, that's, <clears throat> the overall feeling is that the generation probably missed, they had a lot of talent, but maybe missed a little bit of the competitiveness to, to go all the way and to win a major trophy. Okay. And what's the, um, in terms of from the press conference again, the, the team news, is Lukaku going to be involved, do, do we think, or is he going to make many many changes from the Morocco game? Yeah, Roberto Martinez was very coy. <clears throat> we didn't want to comment too much on the team selection, which is understandable. But what we understood, what we understand is that Lukaku might have a chance to play, but definitely not the full game. So they might start with him or either bring him up um, from half-time. But uh, he will definitely play more minutes than he did against Morocco, which was 10 minutes or 15 minutes if you count extra time. Um, as for the other players, they seem to be fit. Eden Hazard had a knock, but he should be fine to play. Um, and uh, Kevin De Bruyne also trained individually, but he was a bit um, um, yeah, cautious with his... Um, uh, training, but never seriously. They should start the game without any problem. And just finally, uh, Bart, how many of the players do you think this will be their last tournament of that of that kind of golden generation? How many of them do you think will will stay on afterwards? None of them have confirmed yet. This will be their last tournament. There's some of them just by age. You can probably predict it will be the last time. Like Jan Vertongen, who is 35, is now playing in the Belgian league again for Anderlecht. I can't see him play any more major tournaments, but you never know. The one player who hinted uh, it might be the last time was Toby Alderwereld. Um, he, in social media, more or less um, indicated um, 
it could be his last tournament. Um, but he, he never confirmed it. And from the other players, um, Dries Mertens, uh, who is now playing in Turkey, is also um, number 35. Um, so realistically, it will be the last tournament for them. But it also could be that even players like Kevin De Bruyne, even although he's only um, 31, or Eden Hazard might say, um, I'm going to quit international football, you never know. Uh, also, Axel Witzel is another one, 33, um, probably the last time for him. Mm-hmm. And is Roberto Martinez, it would appear, would this appear to be his last tournament with the, with the team as well? I think I think it is, uh, unless they are they manage to beat Croatia and then move on, um, go further in the tournament, which will be very difficult because they will play probably Spain, maybe Germany in the in the round of sixteen. So um, it's tough. Um, he had. It's six years now. Uh, he had three tournaments. He, he had the best years of the golden generation at his disposal. Um, so if he doesn't go really far this time, I think the Federation will have to look for somebody else. Although the CEO of the Belgian FA said they like Martinez very much because Martinez is also our technical director. Uh, so basically, Martinez, the manager, should report to Martinez, technical director, which is a bit of a f- funny situation. Um, so you never know, um, but he's out of contract, so he, they will have to negotiate another contract. And um, as things stand right now, I don't think they will continue with Roberto Martinez, especially if they go out uh, against Croatia. Interesting few days ahead anyway in Belgian football. Bart, thanks very much for joining us. And we'll hopefully, if Belgium go through, we might speak to you again later in the tournament. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, thank you, Aiden. Thanks Have very much. Bye bye. Dan, you heard Bart there talk about the pessimism in the Belgian camp, but what's your feeling about Croatia having seen them against Canada? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're trying to figure out the form lines in this group a bit because you you, you know Mexico's performance against Mar- sorry Mexico Croatia Mexico in the brain um, people with sombreros everywhere um, although not in the press room but uh, on the metro and whatnot but anyway uh, Croatia's performance against Morocco sorry uh, didn't appear that good but actually I mean I don't know it might just been a sort of a, a tactical game where two half decent sides sort of cancelled each other out a bit. They're probably not at the level they were four years ago. Um, but I thought Kovacic played well against Canada, having been poor in the opening game. I think he sort of lifted his levels. Perisic was more involved. And then you're suddenly, you know, Brozovic. I like Brozovic as well as a sort of a, a foil maybe to some of the other options. You know, Modric, as I mentioned, you suddenly got like the bones of a side that can still really trouble you, you know. They just sort of lack maybe, you know, Cramrich delivered against... Uh, you know, he delivered against Canada and he's a reasonable scoring record, but you still feel they're maybe missing missing something and uh defensively as well, they've got Lovren and the young uh the young player Guardiol is is seems to be very well uh regarded of not possibly mangled the pronunciation there. 
I don't know, like you, you sort of feel right with this. I know you've, you've gone over Belgium in great detail there, but in terms of mm-hmm. the overall uh, sense of what happens, like, do you subscribe to the theory that, like, we've talked about this before, where like teams have a bad performance, you overreact to it and they bounce back? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that happens with Belgium. I don't know what your what your gut feeling would be. I think Croatia are able to manage this situation. Yeah, just from, from listening to Bart there, like they they were saying. The players are obviously coming out in public saying they're united and you know that they've they've had a good long chat and after a disappointing performance and they're going to put things right which is straight from the manual of what to say as a big name player after a disappointing game like it'll we'll find out we'll know pretty quickly i mean we saw the other night where there was talk of you know there's those issues in the germany camp and they went behind against spain and they really united and fought and got themselves a point that keeps them in the competition I struggle to see that with Belgium. If Belgium go behind, just how much fight there is in them. And we saw how little, you know, how little they reacted against Morocco and, you know, fell 2-0 behind. Went went down with a whimper, really. So, I don't know. When I, when I look at it, I kind of maybe think, I think Croatia will, I think Croatia will have enough. I think Croatia will get a draw out of this game. But it probably, I think probably Croatia to win and Morocco to win, which I think would leave it Morocco going through as group. Sorry, I said Croatia to win. I mean Croatia and Belgium to draw and Morocco to win would be my would be my predictions, which would leave mm. Morocco going through as group winners. Okay, well I'm going to go for two draws actually. I sort of I actually think Canada are capable of uh, doing something. Like it's still, you know, there's still big games and big events for them, even though it's all fallen a bit flat. They've, with a few issues around their camp, Alfonso, Alfonso Davies has started talking to their press again, having not done so. And but you know, there's still a sense of a big tournament feeling around their game. I'm not sure if it's like an after the Lord Mayor show thing. I just suspect that they're capable of um, making it interesting. And Morocco, like they're in a great position, they can't really lose from the position that they're in. Um, but they just, yeah, I just I can just see a I can see a. I can see a draw there, but I can see a draw in the other game as well. I feel like we'll get a better performance from Belgium, but one that's uh, that's ultimately not enough for them. Yeah, it's, there's, that's today's, this afternoon's games. And then Group E finishes tonight as well with uh, Japan against Spain. I believe you're at that game, Dan. Is, is, are you expecting something similar to in terms of you know people gathering around screens, looking at scorelines from elsewhere? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, that might suggest that the Germany Costa Rica game would be close, which I don't think it will be. You know, I think I think Germany will do their end of the bargain um, by by I don't know, sort of a two three nil win maybe for Germany. Um, I switched games for this. I was meant to go into Germany Costa Rica initially, um, a because it's a it's a, it's a long way away and I don't want to have that trip again. But more so because uh, Japan. Spain to me is the key one. Can Japan do something like that's possibly still the 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 intrigue in the game? I mean, Spain like have obviously have a bit, you know, have a their, their goal difference gives them a great position, but they obviously still have you know finishing position and various things in in mind. So um, they just have to be just do what they need to do. And there's always a certain uh, the the Japanese thing is um, they're they have a huge sort of press pack following them and and generally a very different tone to how they conduct themselves how they carry themselves um i like to sort of check in on them during the world cup at some stage mm-hmm. and unfortunately this might be the uh this might be their farewell um i mean i i, I can see them 
not sure. I, I, I fancy Japan to, to shock Jeremy in the opening game. I can't bring myself to predict them to, to, to beat Spain or maybe even to draw with them, but I have a feeling they'll play well and they'll, they'll, they'll be very competitive. But I think they might just fall short in a, in a 2-1 with Germany winning comfortably to, to go through. Yeah, broadly speaking, I'd agree. I think Japan look like a bit like the USA. They look like one of those teams that's they're set up to play against good teams and not necessarily Definitely. against bad ones, as you saw against Costa Rica. So I can see them, you know, getting in and around Spain, but I think Spain will have a bit too much technical quality or more technical quality than Germany have. I think they'll be able to pick them apart. So I'd kind of see something along the lines of a 2 0 Spain win and then like something similar to yourself, I think a, a two or three nil uh Germany went to spend a bit like as we said the other or about uh, the group with Poland and Argentina. I think Spain and Germany will end up going through, but not quite in the way anyone would have anticipated at the start. No, and I mean it does. I mean it, it is actually nicely that those scenarios we've talked about like does set up uh, a pretty tasty round of sixteen, and even. You can see the things developing towards the quarterfinals. Now, it never really works out that easily. There's always a shock somewhere. You're trying to figure out which one it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like so, t- mad things can happen, I suppose. Um, but uh, it is, I think, from the from the perspective of uh, people organising it, uh, it's nicely set up at this stage. But maybe that's more so because Argentina are alive and they're not playing France now. Um, so it's, yeah. it's all set up for... For, for both of those to keep going for, for a bit of a distance. Yeah, some of the big guns still involved. Thanks as always, Dan, for joining us. Uh, that was in the World Cup Daily. Watch us on YouTube or independent.ie or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>